This podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com. Welcome to season two of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where we talk about all things sci-fi. Our crew, Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, are all back for more fun as we share our opinions, thoughts, and ideas on our favorite films, TV shows, and books. We'll also have some fascinating guest appearances this season, so make sure your ship has plenty of dilithium crystals because we're breaking free from this solar system at light speed while having the most fun of any podcast this side of the Milky Way talking about science fiction. All hands brace for impact. It's time for the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Welcome back to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. This is the first episode of season two, and I'm Adina Mignona, and I'm thrilled to be hosting this week's episode. Space is big, really big. You just won't believe how vastly, highly, mind-bogglingly big it is. That's the introduction to that wholly remarkable book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And Douglas Adams did not write a more true set of three sentences. We're going to talk about how we deal with that mind-boggling bigness in science fiction. But first, let me introduce my co-hosts, Brian Donahue. Hey, it's Brian Donahue. Glad to be here today. Thanks, Adina. Next, we have Christian Fox. Hey, everyone. Thank you for introducing me. And I know this is not a video show, but I unfortunately have not changed anything about my appearance, as in most characters change things in season two, like Riker growing a beard. So uh, that's disappointing. But uh, I'm excited to be here to talk about Star Trek and other stuff. where you're going with that. It's okay. I didn't grow a beard either in between seasons. I hope, I hope it made sense. It just feels like any time you get a new season, characters change their hair, and I can be like, hey, this must be season six, because look at uh, uh, Taurus's hair. It's curly now. There you go. Well, <laughs> finally, we have the always friendly and always encouraging Steve Merkin. Good evening, America, and welcome to this wonderful trend, uh, edition of the big sci-fi podcast. And knowing the subject that Dina has lined up, it is a beauty. Great. And I'm Adina Mignona, engineer and science fiction author of the Robot Galaxy series. So we are going to talk about faster than light travel tonight. But before we get rolling into that main topic, what have you guys been up to since last we met? It's been a whole season. <laughs> it's been forever. I feel like we've been a, in a warp time bubble or something. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I just made up a phrase for science. No, I think no 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 that's bubble. correct. Is that no, there's okay. a warp bubble work? doesn't yeah yeah pressure get bubble. sucked into the warp bubble and she's like oh everybody's disappearing what's happening oh let's get out of that right now let's not okay. let that happen that was a <laughs> yes. weird episode um but right. no I've been very busy outside the weather here in northeast Ohio has been hot although we did just have a thunderstorm roll through and cooled things off nicely, but it has been hot. We've been outside a lot. Um, Here in Northeast Ohio, uh, some of us crazy people who aren't very good at uh, work around the house as far as like fix-it projects and handyman things, like to do mundane tasks with other tools such as pressure washers. And so today I spent some of the afternoon pressure washing my driveway. 
I don't know if you guys do that in other parts of the country. Not in uh, California. I've not never today. done that in right. years. Right. <laughs> I should do it. I never but... did it when I lived in Utah because <laughs> that was would have been totally unexpected, unacceptable too. But um, we pressure so today, wash the house sometimes. We yeah, I did our back deck. We've got to stain our back deck, deck here mm -hmm. in the next week. Uh, but I did that today. It was hot. I got done, turned around, and my daughter had drawn with chalk a huge heart. On the driveway. So uh, that was sweet and annoying at the same time. My beautiful, clean driveway had chalk on it. But an interesting thing, I want to mention this because I thought it was quite interesting, uh, is we just celebrated my daughter's eighth birthday this past oh. weekend. Yay. Had the family over. And her great-grandfather, Bill William Raymond, gave her $5 as part of her gift and wrote buy a book with this my daughter is an avid reader and uh so we went to there's a flea market in hartville ohio here that especially on memorial day weekend is absolutely ginormous this is an incredible flea market every weekend it's nice anyways and so i said peyton let's go to the flea market you might find a treasure of a book somewhere you might find something really you might even be able to find a few books for five bucks you know and she was very patient. It was a very hot day. We walked all around. She looked at stuff, you know, um, and we come up to this one table and this guy had some old antique looking stuff as you would expect to see at a flea market. And there was this, I found it. It was a treasure. She looked at it and was instantly um, enamored with it. And it was one of those big little books and it was Popeye, the sailor man. Aww. And the wow. date on the inside was 1969. Wow. And the guy's asking price was $5. And so Peyton looked at it and had had beautiful Popeye cart pictures in it, but it was a little book. Um and it's it's got a, you know, it's it's small. It's a pocket-sized book, but fairly thick. It had about 100 pages in it. Wow. And Peyton just fell in love with it and I was thrilled cuz I loved Popeye growing up. Loved loved it mm -hmm. and so she offered the guy her five dollars and he said oh you found the best deal in the whole flea market today little girl <laughs> he took that home and devoured it in less than a day and showed it to her great papa um who was thrilled that she found such a treasure of a book i have i have never seen popeye a popeye book like that before um and so it was really cool i'm really excited that nice has she read it? Tea? Oh yeah, she devoured it in less than a day. Cool. I mean, That's she just cool. she yesterday I was working outside, took my laptop and did cuz school's out now, so my wife and I are figuring out how to work from home with two kids at the, in the house. And so we I took my laptop outside so they could play so I could watch them but also get some work done. And she sat down there on the other side of the table and just chilled and read through that book and it was beautiful. Nice. Right. Chris, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, you're doing the usual, going to work, <laughs> resolving some conflicts, uh, watching a ton of Star Trek. Uh, I recently did an episode of my podcast where I was complaining about uh, Strange New Worlds being so good that it's like now messing up my rankings where <laughs> you have to think about like Picard's always my number one captain and Janeway's always my super, super close number two that she really could be one. But then there's Captain Pike. And so it's like, well, where do I put Captain Pike now? So that was a lot of fun because it's just like, this is the first time 
I felt invested from the get-go with new track. Like mm-hmm. I haven't felt this way in a long time. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm loving it. And I did not power wash anything or do anything. Uh, actually, I cleaned a lot, which I was happy about, uh, but didn't do any yard work. Which I feel like I should do as a grown man. And the hard thing is you don't want to do any spoilers right now about Strange New World. Right. But, right. but when you see uh, Pike as a captain and they yeah. develop him, you go, I like this guy. The man I mean, as much as I like... I like Archer and I think he's to me the best captain, but this guy, he's got it nailed down perfectly. And either it's the writing, the acting or whatever, but you're right. Yeah. And it's not even just Pike. It's also like even M Benga, who I was like, I like M Benga was fine in the, in the series. And I was kind of hoping it would be Dr. Boyce. That would Mr. Martini man for all you fans out there who was going to be like the main doctor, but Mm -hmm. it was M Benga. And then it's like, all right, episode two is like, all right, fine. Uh, you're killing it. Now we're going to have to rank you against the doctor. <laughs> like, I don't, doctor's my guy, but Mbenga, he's coming up there. And mm-hmm. Fox is also my guy. So it's like, I don't know what to do. Give, yeah, it, a whole, give it, it a whole season, though, before enjoy, you start well, comparing too much. Well, that, that's the thing is we're still season. in the honeymoon phase, right? Oh, we're still in the honeymoon phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good phase, but yes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it just, but this is the first time I felt this way, like even Discovery, where I was like, all right, I liked aspects of it. I'm like, I'm glad there's new track, but I wasn't in love with the characters. Mm-hmm. And yes, obviously, it's the honeymoon phase. Anything can happen. My rankings could change. But just from the first four episodes, it's like, wow, they're they're doing a really good job. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And now we're so- back. I think mm-hmm. as, as like, I think Sardrick is back. I can say we'll see. Yeah. It could go all downhill. You never know. <laughs> I hope not. Please it's not going it, to. Okay? Don't 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 no, say no it. Jinxing, don't jinx it. No jinx. Season two of Picard, it. I think. Oh yeah, elevated it back mm-hmm. up for me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Me too. I was so happy with Picard and then Strange mm-hmm. New. But even that was like, all right, now they're course correcting. But with Strange New Worlds, it didn't. It's like this is the first time that it's we have a pilot of a series where I'm like I'm in a hundred percent because I don't think I ever. The only pilot I saw before Discovery was Enterprise, but I was just, oh, I was really? way too young for that. Because I was like, yeah. so the, I, I think though, I, oh my gosh, we're going to wind up talking <laughs> about okay. Stranger Worlds. <laughs> but I just want to say this, you know, they really had the benefit of so much to come before them, you know, so Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds, while it's a new show, not a new ship. Yeah. Half the characters are not new. So there's a lot of good stuff that they're like building off of mm-hmm. where Discovery was like everything was brand new. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So this is a very unique situation. I mean, it's good and I'm glad it's working and whatever mm-hmm. magic is is great. But, you know, we're not it's kind of like they gave us half of stuff that's familiar to mm-hmm. kind of latch on to. And then mm-hmm. the other half is new and mm-hmm. to build upon. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that has a lot to do with the I why we like I think it. so. I'd sort of disagree only because Picard brought back legendary Captain Picard. But even the first episode, I'm like, mm-hmm. it's so cool to have Picard back. But I, something was missing. It just felt oh, see, off. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. loved, I, and maybe out of the four of us, I'm the only one. I completely love season yeah. one, too. I loved it just as much okay. as I love season two. I, I really liked right. it, but I thought season two blew it out. Blew oh, yeah. Me. Season two was definitely yeah, better, right. but I yeah. love and season I do one. Have to, I do have to say something because I've been pretty critical of Discovery. I remember. I, I think I I remember loving the pilot episode of Discovery. I think I I was really excited about the show after that, um, and I really really like season one and two of Discovery. 
I mean, I really, I was a big fan. And then season three, it just, it just got kind of more slow and mm-hmm. not as interesting mm-hmm. for me, but, um, yeah. so, but it was a different, it a different kind of love where yeah. strange new mm-hmm. worlds, it's familiar, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, discovery was new. Strange New Worlds is familiar, and I think it should be there's a there's a different kind of love for the shows there. Because again, I love I love the original the the first part of Discovery too. I thought that was great, but it was just yeah. It feels like a good (laughs) sorry, like a good in between between like being modernized Mm -hmm. and being like 2022, yeah, and different, but also familiar enough in a way that Discovery sure it didn't but that's this is a whole other topic but they go to they use warp speed you know what warp speed is FB, ftl <laughs> there well, we go. i think i think real quick i think t- perhaps strange new worlds has a chemistry between all the actors and characters that seems natural maybe more so than some of the other it, it, of course anytime you start a new series that takes time to develop mm-hmm. yeah. but i feel like right out of the box this team of mm-hmm. people feel comfortable with mm-hmm. each other and i think that's helping yeah it too. i think I that's agree. helping it too okay let's move on steve <laughs> what have you been hi. up to hi everybody How hey, are steve. You? Hey. hello steve <laughs> well um first you know i was going to talk about and you can't see this but um i'm wearing my um my badge of honor which is uh, the wrapping they get whenever I give platelets at Children's Hospital. And today I did my 350th donation. And to put those in perspective, each donation takes about two hours. Wow. Oh, wow. And each donation is roughly about two units. So I've done about a little over 85 gallons of platelets in the last 30 years. So wow. that, I'm very proud That's about awesome. that. But what I really wanted to talk about what happened this past week was, you know, you watch, we were talking about the various series and each series, you have a specific episode that you like, you know, original series, definitely I mud or trouble with tribbles. They're just so wonderful. And TNG to me, it's relics. I just love it because it's so emotional, but it's so real. And, Voyager, you know, it's I, I love the last two episodes, the way they cleared things up. I really did. I think they were great. DS9. I never really got into the series. I'm sorry to say, but I never really did. Sorry, Chris, but I never really did. Um, and I but I've seen seri- various episodes because we've discussed them. And so I've watched those and I've started to really started to appreciate it more. And there was one episode that I really loved was called Little Green Men, where they go oh, back to Roswell. Yes, and it's just fun because it's almost a bottle episode where they just, you know, okay. But as I'm flipping through my daily Star Trek calendar and I came across on May 27th an episode called Take Me Out to the Holodeck. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And I have said before, I love baseball. And when I watched this episode, I couldn't help but smile through the entire episode. Everything about baseball was explained. Chris, you talk about, oh, I wish I could learn about baseball. 
They spend so much I've time tried. explaining the rules <laughs> of baseball, even getting into the most bizarre, the infield fly rule, which is <laughs> right. That, yeah, that, that, I, that is the craziest rule that baseball has ever created, but it exists on paper. And they try to explain it. <laughs> but watching Odo going in his room doing his, oh, steroid, you know, and practicing that and then doing it on the field. But what really got me and made me smile was when I saw Cisco <laughs> with a toothpick in his mouth and the great baseball manager, Dusty Baker, huh. always has a toothpick in his mouth. Bad enough he was wearing a San Francisco Giants hat. I could live with that because Starfleet is in, based in San Francisco, so he would have a Giants cap. Oh, I wonder on. if that was do, you, was, do you think that was done intentionally yeah, I, for that reason? I, I believe so. Even though his son, uh, Jake, was wearing an Atlanta Braves hat. But I think because of the fact that, I, I, unless, of course, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Avery is a Giants fan, and that's very, very possible. Mm -hmm. But the moment when at the end of the game, when they're losing 10 to zero <laughs> and they bring in Rom and he inadvertently bunts and gets the only one run they're going to get and they all charge him and they put him on their shoulder and the Vulcans <laughs> are going, but you lost, you lost. And it really yeah. proved that what I love about baseball, which is it's not if you win or lose, but it's how you play the game. And when they all came and supported Rom in his moment of triumph, it was inadvertent. I thought it was just, it was, it, was it really charming. It, moment. It, 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 it was just an absolutely fantastic episode. And if you're a baseball fan, watch it. The only other episode that even comes close to that, and it's another series, it was the X-Files called The Unnatural about the black baseball players. And it's really special. Cool. That one is really, really good. But this one, you can yeah, see where the love of the baseball was by uh, Roger, Moore, Roger Moore, who wrote the script. Yeah. He really, really stood off. So to me, I've now become a greater fan of DS9 just because of that. Awesome. And, and one of the best things, yes. like one of the most heartwarming things about this, about that episode uh -huh. is that fans of the series that were made fun of by other, or I should say made fun of, but they were always called the Niners. Like, oh, you're a Niner if you like DS9. Mm -hmm. And it was a derogatory thing. So they took the name and made it the baseball team as like a, hey, we support you. Yeah. So I and I, really I, cool. I, loved, I loved their logo, which was the baseball and part of the stitching was the the curvature of uh, Deep Space Nine. I just, yeah. you know, and it's funny because I went to a Star Trek convention and there were people dressed up for the event. And there was a group of them who were all dressed up as the Niners. And I oh didn't quite gosh. understand it. <laughs> but they really were cool. in beautifully reproduced uniforms with the baseball caps on and now I pr appreciate them even more, the effort they put into it, because it's just, it, it tells the magic of what, why baseball is so beautiful as a sport. So anyway, oh. I had a happy time watching that. And I hope everyone that takes a chance, season seven, episode yeah. four, book it. Nice. Oh, it's so good. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't really have that much that was been going on other than working oh. on my third book. So uh -huh. we're just going to get right back into the topic of the day. Okay. Okay. Faster than light travel. It's a staple of a lot of science fiction, particularly in what we often refer to as space opera. 
It allows characters to traverse distances that, according to all known physics, would take years or decades or millennia. So now as someone with a degree in physics who works in aerospace, I often encounter people who ask me how I can tolerate science fiction that blatantly ignores all that we know about science. And my response is that, that that's no fun. <laughs> science fiction is fiction after all. And if I needed to follow the, you know, the rigid definitions that Arthur C. Clarke laid down where science fiction must extend from known science, then I wouldn't be able to enjoy Star Wars or even Star Trek and a lot of other good stuff. So we're going to talk about, you know, the things that we liked about, you know, FTL, Faster Than Light, and don't like, and what's our favorites and all that. So the first question I have for everybody is, G, can you recall the first time that you encountered Faster Than Light travel? Uh, or what was the first thing that you watched that involved it? Was it Trek or Star Wars or something else? Mm-hmm. And Steve, do you want to go first? Yeah, uh, for me, it's very hard to say because, I mean, I've I've been watching, you know, science fiction ever since I could reach the on-off knob on the TV. But I'm guessing if it was a movie, then it would have been probably Forbidden Planet because they used fast and light speed to get there in the Valerathon and also the, the their main spacecraft. But as TV shows go, I really have to think about the only one that really brought in was Star Trek. Before that, no other TV series really even covered faster than light travel. So... Right. Even Lost in Space or was Lost in Space? No, Lost in in Space, you know, because they were going to put in, they were put into hibernation in their hibernation tubes because it was going to take years for them to make it to like they were traveling at almost light speed. Mm -hmm. So it was going to take them four years to get to Alpha Centauri, which was their ultimate. I think I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that's my experience with Faster Than Light. Gentlemen, maybe. Yeah, I would say my answer, the only things I could come up with were um, very similar. Forbidden Planet came to mind because I I remember watching that at a very young age, probably before I was actually a Star Trek fan Mm -hmm. um, is when I would have encountered that film. Uh, But majority other than that, Star Trek definitely was my first encounter and um with that i can't think of anything else that would mm-hmm. have i've just been a star trek fan for so long i think mm-hmm. i came out asking where spock was so <laughs> okay hey, chris what about you i think it was star trek and i say i think because i know i must have been exposed to star wars at the same time uh but i'm pretty sure it was star trek mm-hmm. uh, that i first encountered it mm-hmm. yeah so i'm i'm sure i also had like I probably encountered Star Trek and Star Wars somewhat simultaneously, but I mm. feel like my earliest memories are of seeing the Millennium Falcon go into hyperdrive, you know, going to hyperspace uh, mm-hmm. in the first Star Wars movies. So I'm pretty sure for me it had to have been Star Wars. So, okay. So now what is everyone's favorite type of FTL? Cause we know mm-hmm. we've got, let's, we've got warp drive from something like star mm-hmm. Trek. We have wormholes, we have hyperspace jump drives, we mm-hmm. have folding space. I think there are a few other things. So what's everyone's favorite Chris. So I think, and I say, I think, because I've been thinking about this all week, trying to figure out what is my <laughs> absolute favorite. And I have to say, there's something about the hyperspace travel and Stargate that I love. Mm. Um, like if we're just talking about FTL, like not mm-hmm. talking about the Stargate, 
But just the fact that they have to say opening up a hyperspace window, there's something that seems really cool about opening up a hyperspace window as a as a like opposed to just going into engaging warp drive because you're not opening up a window, which I don't know if it really makes a difference, but I just love that terminology and the sound effects when they go into hyperspace. Um, I always thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I also just love this idea, and I guess it's not so much about the drive, but it's like the fact that 20th century humans can go faster than they can in Star Trek. It's just like, oh, wow, like they make the folks in Trek look really slow because here we are <laughs> in the 20th century and they're going and they're going to uh, or so they're going into hyperspace. Um, so I, and I love the idea that, oh, if you have if you go into hyperspace and if you have a ZPM, you can get to another galaxy in three days. But if you don't have the ZPM, it'll take you three months. Mm-hmm. which is still like just ridiculous. So yeah, I think I'd have to say the hyperspace travel from Stargate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very okay. Interesting. Steve. Hmm. Um, what I wrote down was warp drive. <laughs> it seems to be the most established form or the primary form of fast and light speed. And it's probably the most reference. I mean, you, you know, in anything, you know, if you're on the freeway and you go, you see that guy going by you and they go, wow, that guy must have warp drive. He really has. Ooh, he went by me quickly. <laughs> oh, I say that. And I think that's the quickest thing that people were going to say is warp drive. And the thing about it is it's been covered so well about how it works or would work and the machinery that makes it work and the people who created it. There's a real backstory about warp drive that was developed from the original series and developed in Enterprise and so of them that you, you see the motor, you see the engine, that is the warp drive motor. And hyperdrive in Star Wars has never been flushed out. Oh, it's just there. And, and the fact that something as big as the Millennium Falcon or even bigger, which is Star Destroyer, can travel at warps at, at hyperspeed and so can a, an X-Wing. How does it generate the energy to be able to go faster than light? So well, that seems inconsistent. Yeah. This is the argument. Well, why Star Wars is is fantasy? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, you can't explain it. Um, magic. <laughs> wormholes have been explored in Star Trek, and the folding galaxy is a favorite of Neil deGrasse Tyson as a way to get from one end of the galaxy to the other. And jump drives is like spore drive, and I don't even want to talk about spore drive because that's <laughs> oh, stupid. Drive. I didn't even think of that. I'm sorry. Right. Spore drive is stupid. There, you've heard it. I don't want to talk about it. Your end. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So I'm. I am. I might surprise you guys with with my answer here because being a Trek fan, I love warp speed. I I have um, a relative who shall go unnamed because they might listen to this one day, uh, who calls it the warp speed. You know, uh, it's not freaking hmm. the Facebook. It's, <laughs> it's warp yeah, it's... speed, you know. Um, anyways, but I digress. Uh, I I think that hyperspace and how they do uh, hyperspace in Star Wars is cool. I, I've i always loved the Enterprise warping off and the streaks it leaves behind and all that stuff or the flash on the next gen, which, you know, whichever version of it you like as a Star Trek fan. But the first time I saw Han Solo 
say hit it Chewie, and they pulled that lever back and they're in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and the stars just that caught my imagination. So for me, I I am totally willing to suspend my disbelief in Star Wars for mm. that um, issue. Now it is stupid that it's just you know they don't talk about it at all. It's just a fantasy thing, and everybody everybody's got it apparently, um, even in the rust buckets. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I to me that's just great fun watching them zoop zoop zoop. Yeah. Until yeah. it doesn't work, and then R two D two has to come along and fix everything. Right, or you come out of it, you, you come out of hype, <laughs> hyperspace in a in a asteroid field or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah. I have to show this, uh, even though people aren't going to see it. You guys will see it, and I'll say it, what it is. But this is a, a bumper sticker that I've had since like 1989. I've never put it on my car. It actually <laughs> just is on my like wall here, and it says "Engine by Scotty, zero to warp seven in 15 seconds." Love it, I and I could so. never Steve put it on a car bumper sticker. Yeah, I, no, no, that that was some news from my wife. It uh, okay. just made me very, very unbelievably happy. So, but we'll talk about it later. I, I will say, I'll say this: there's a T-shirt that I I wish I'd bought that was for Enterprise, and it said to um to Neptune and back in six seconds. Mm, I like and that. I Next Thursday, always like that. I always like that because. It encapsulated this what they're able to achieve in warp drive. Yeah. You know? So I think I like, you know, I'm gonna go sort of with warp drive is sort of my favorite because of the amount of time and effort that they've tried to develop the not not develop it in in real life, but just kind of develop <laughs> the details within Star Trek. Like that, there's like the dilithium chamber, and you can pull it out, and mm-hmm. you know, see, and, and all the details that are, you know go along with it are really neat to think about. So I can I can picture myself being an engineer working mm-hmm. in engineering on the Enterprise D, and and I love that. But I, I really also love the wormhole slash folding space stuff because that's the stuff that I can actually imagine. Mm-hmm. possibly being the real thing that right. is going to help us really get other places, you know, in the universe someday. So I'm, I'm kind of torn between, between those two, but Star Trek has both star or, or all of it. Cause you know, mm-hmm. we've got wormholes like outside deep space nine and other places. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then we even have some folding space stuff. Uh, whenever I think about folding space in Star Trek, I think about the next generation episode, the nth degree. The oh, one where yeah, Barkley right, yes. love that episode. That's the, one of my favorites. Yes. That's really smart. Yeah, that's yes. And then he some kind of does some kind of fancy folding space and boom, they're at the other end of the galaxy talking to the this oh this this It was something I can't pronounce. Which which I my question about that whole thing is like was anybody yes. taking notes or like wasn't the computer recording what Barkley was doing because I'm like just can you recreate that later no because I think Barkley was doing it I don't think the computer was doing it like I think that's the thing is remember they reprogrammed Barkley he did something that but yes you would he was still inputting commands right no I don't know no, he was, he was, he became the computer. So he did something, but now here's the thing. And, and this is the, cause I think in, in Star Trek and in other fiction, there's, you know, with something along the line of the prime directive and that whole concept that just giving a, 
you know, culture technology is not good. So now you've got this advanced race and they're like half giving people technology to bring Mm -hmm. people to them. So that's where that falls apart is like, okay, you guys brought us here. You guys obviously have the technology to do this. Are you going to give us a technology? You kind of almost did. Why don't you go the whole way? Like, it's almost like they're teasing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. yeah. He increases the shield strength before he takes over the computer to like 700% or buy mm-hmm. 700%. It's like, right. well, why can't someone just keep a note of those modifications? But yeah, I, I mean, it's still a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. What a mm-hmm. unique concept of, um, of being like, hey, we're not explorers. We're not going to go explore. So let's have people come to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, holding motive electrochemical stimulus response, <laughs> cranial plate, bipedal locomotion, skeletal contiguous external integument. So I just found the script. You, that's what, that's yeah, what the yeah, guy yeah. said when he so, saw the humans for the first time. Okay. So if you, I was going to spit together, Brian, if you had taken that from verbatim in your own mind i was going to say you have got a lot of trivia built up in there you know <laughs> but you but thank goodness you I were love, reading it from i love screen. i love barclays when he comes on back onto this onto the thing um uh you're both on the same mission captain and picard goes mm-hmm. mission he goes yes sir and of course his fingers are tingling you know because that means something has happened to his body you know um, the Cetherians are exploring the galaxy just as There's, we are i can't say the, the only- name of that that species. Cetherians. I can't say it. So I feel like Brian's (laughs) suggesting that we all do a script reading. We pick an episode, we pick a scene. We We should. I want to do that. We should do it. Uh, No, I I want to be Kalar. Whatever we do, I want to be Kalar. Oh, can I be Grumpy Wharf then? Well, I'm going to do mine. I'm like, but don't you think she's got a nice bum? (laughs) I love that. What's that from? That's, that's, that's from Enterprise. That's when uh, oh, that's the shuttle yeah, pod okay. one. No, no, where, where, nice yeah. bum. Nope, nope. A nice bum. <laughs> what we should, you know, here, here's what we do: is we My... mix up the scripts. We pick our favorite character oh, or God. favorite episode, and then that's how we go. We go through it. Okay. Does that make sense? I, I, I mean, it hear, doesn't make sense. I want to hear Chris sense. do the Cupid line of Worf when they're all meeting Tasha Yar, and I want to hear him say. When he sees when they're all commenting on her, and and Worf goes, "Nice legs," oh, <laughs> and everyone kind of looks at him uh, like, "What in the world?" Oh, I thought <laughs> you were going to go with, "I'm not a, I am not a merry man." Well, that's that's what I a, thought so too. My favorite all-time Worf line is very simple. It's from that episode. Jordy is plucking the mandolin. Worf yeah. casually walks up to him, smashes <laughs> it across the tree, hands it back, and goes, "Sorry." And walks away. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's one of my, my favorite. My favorite wharf line. Oh, we're going a, like tangent here. It's okay. Sorry. Not even a, a funny line. I just loved how wharf was being observant, where he's like, "Ah, that is a fish you are holding." I don't know why that just is What's so hilarious. From? Which episode? Uh, that's from uh, the one with Riker's dad, season two. Oh. And he's like contemplating really? if he wants to take uh, command of this right. other ship. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene where Riker is holding a picture of like there's oh, a picture. Of oh, him. he's holding a picture of himself with the fish, not he's and holding then, a fish. Right. And then War okay. observes brilliantly that he's holding a fish. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh, you like fishing. But just the way he's like, ah, that is a fish you are holding. It's just like, great. Right. Thanks for clarifying. Random. 
uh, Adina, you need to get us back yes. on okay. a Take proper of this trajectory. Thing. Okay, next, we're, we're let's just go into the space. next question. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So, and I'll, I guess, I guess I will combine the two questions, uh, the next two questions, because who knows where this is going to go, but mm-hmm. who has done FTL, you know, and, and possibly even taken something that we we've seen a bunch of times before, like a wormhole or hyperspace, who's done it really well or made it really interesting or who has completely messed it up? Personally or on the show? Oh, <laughs> Oh, we're talking a about show. a show. Oh, okay. yeah. never, show. Yeah. never mind yeah. then, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one's done FTL in real life yet, so we have not had the opportunity to that either do it really well of. or really badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Not in this uh, universe. Brian, did you go first? No, I think Steve should go first. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've already talked about it, so there you go. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Star Trek on both points a warp drive beautifully laid out completely explained there has been so much written about it that you think it should be on the drawing board someplace at the skunk works or anywhere else for that matter and again star trek spore drive so stupid i'm sorry number one (laughs) number two only one spaceship has it nobody else gets it also, no, doesn't work that way. Number three, they launch it into the 20, 32nd century to get rid of it with something, a crazy AI, and no one ever sees it again because no oh. one had a drawing or any plans after they were off into the distant thousand years in the future. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. It's see, just, it's too far out. Uh, see, I disagree. I don't love I don't love the sport drive. I don't think it's uh, incredible, but I don't think you can say, oh, it's stupid because it's like, well, it's Star Trek. Like all of the technologies kind of universal translators where there's no like synced where lips are synced perfectly to <laughs> what someone's saying. I don't, but yeah, I don't know. I also can't defend it and say, oh, sport drive was such an amazing addition to the, to the universe. What, what bothers um, me more with that, with discovery in that ship is the stupid little loop-de-loo spinny thing it does mm-hmm. as a part yeah. of that. Like that to but me, cool. I just, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to use your, your common phrase for this episode. I disagree, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I think, I think it looks cool. I, yeah, it looks cool, but I think it's for Star Trek. I just feel like it was a little bit of a stretch for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I like things being very just zip on out of here mm-hmm. in track because that's what they've done. Maybe that's why they did it that way. They wanted to mix it up and make it a little different and jazz it up a little well, bit. There have definitely been like a handful of things that have where they've brought in kind of like a, I guess, a, a biological element to aid in yeah. the drive. Like, so, you know, Dune. Oh has yeah, that, really cool. Um, that oh. I'm on the other show, and and so I Wait. guess the, so the the spore drive didn't bother me too much. The spinny thing, the the fact that the ship does that spinny thing, I didn't like that. But the concept of the spore drive and the fact that there's some other network and there's a biological component to it, um, yeah, it didn't bother me, and it didn't and- bother me how they got rid of it too. In fact, how they got rid of it, I think, was perfect 
because, you know, okay, kind of like the re- research and stuff we had kind of went away. So the universe that we know of Star Trek doesn't really have it. It was some kind of secret project. And right. yeah, it was like really classified. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's another thing that bothers yeah. me. How come we don't see this anywhere else in the start? Like on yeah. their last episode, I want Discovery to please explain why. Even though they went, jumped into, you know, however, 900 years in the future, why is mm-hmm. it we never see this again? So, is it because it's, they discovered it's just so unstable. Very few people can actually operate it like Stamets can. And, uh, right. So well, that's, that that's the thing or? is there's, there's plenty of even real world technology that seems really cool and very, but it is expensive. And I don't, I don't mm-hmm. just necessarily mean dollar sign, although everything yeah. turns into dollar signs, but it's not practical to use. So, okay so you have this one experimental ship and this is not a practical technology it's it's so it works for the show but right. it's not practical so it was never adopted like, and that, uh, that that's technology like, gets developed it's used a little bit and then abandoned that happens all what, the time what was the um, one like beta beta tapes there was mm-hmm. like some that were just completely even though we're not yeah. comparing beta tape to well, a well no, but the, it was the like, concept yeah, of technology right. existing it seems kind of interesting and revolutionary but really it's not it, it just doesn't go anywhere for a lot of reasons. What about Chris? what about Babylon Five? Didn't they have like oh. it's a jump drive? Th- that's a jump. Mm. That would be considered a jump drive. Adina. I think I think I would call that a jump drive. See, yeah. I I remember finding that fascinating. Mm-hmm. That that, but of course, very limiting. You have to have one on the other side of wherever you're going, so you oh, can't. I'm sorry, just... Babylon Five. Um, Babylon Five. They, I, I heard Battlestar Galactica in my head. Sorry, <laughs> didn't they? So didn't Babylon Five have something you had to attach to or go mm-hmm. into to jump to a different part of space? I don't remember what they called it though because I haven't watched it in yeah. so long. Yeah, I. Now I, that I think about it, I think it is a kind of jump a jump drive yeah, too. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that I liked how they executed that, mm-hmm. and for the time I think that was a little bit that was unique enough of a way. I don't remember the Stargate time frame with Babylon 5 but um that was kind of interesting. So I I so... think I I think that go ahead Chris. Oh, I was going to say yeah, Stargate like I well the movie was 94 and then the TV show was 97. So I'm not sure when Babylon uh, 5 was in the 90s sometime was out. I know. But any anyways, I I think I love I think Star Trek does it beautifully for except mm-hmm. for Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But I again, I just because I don't like seasons three and four, I'm, maybe there's some, you know, angst there that's judging my clouding my, you know, maybe I'm being too yeah. tough on it. But oh, oh, I I love, this? I love how in the in the original Star Trek films one through six, how the Enterprise would warp, mm-hmm. and we kind of saw the colorful trail behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, I I loved. Of course, it was always very convenient when the warp drive would all of a sudden go out, <laughs> and they couldn't get to warp speed for whatever reason to help with the drama. I love that. Um, I think there's probably plenty of times where, it, and that's probably where you know it was like so obvious that you know the way to have drama in this instance is that the warp drive breaks down or it's burning, mm-hmm. you know, the, no dilithium mm-hmm. or whatever. So that, that was sometimes obvious and a Nobody little frustrating, but I got to tell you, a warp drive. right. Yeah. I, I got to tell you though, I love, I love a good 
Jordy LaForge rolling out of engineering as the doors are coming down and they're having <laughs> to, you know, that's fantastic. escape, escape. Yeah. Jordy can place. roll out of energy engineering anytime. And I go, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So you yeah. just said, you know, when you said Jordy roll, I'm picturing him because there are several times he's actually sitting in a chair and the chair rolls. Yeah, he goes from one station yeah. to the next station. Oh, so oh, smooth! That is so yes. I love. I love that. his arm moving. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! You know, and then he <laughs> he looks, and then he looks at the door, and he kind of, you can tell he's judging it as an actor. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, how long can I wait until the store is going to crush me? Well, well but generations that's was real too. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, generations is the classic well, Jordy roll out of. I think he pushed hard for that. He was like, "No, I want to wait to the last second so I can do this." Yeah, just made oh, it. Mm -hmm. But it was so smooth. <laughs> I mean, I do love with my chair. I do. I'm not going to say that I pretend that I'm Jordy LaForge going between consoles, mm -hmm. but I definitely do that in my Come office on. a lot. We're your <laughs> friends here, Chris. Oh, I definitely do that, hundred <laughs> percent. In my current lab, my my team just, uh, you know, I I do some. Uh, virtual reality work at, at my day job. And we, my team just moved into a new lab space and there's this one chair now that actually it, it's the perfect chair for the carpet in that room. It rolls perfectly from mm. side to side. It's, it's the best. It's such a good feeling when you can do that and go shoom, to this computer. And shoom, did you get it, Adina? Did you scarf up that chair? Oh, no, no. It was, it was there. Like we oh, had it there. Oh, you know, I, thought, I thought like you went like, I got it. It's mine. Oh, no, I'm no, no. Boss. I'm just so happy that it was, oh. uh, it materialized oh, okay. out of thin air. <laughs> At least that's how it, it seemed. Uh, but just, it's the little things that, you know, that make, that make it all great. nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay. So what about science fiction that sticks to... Uh, you know, at least starts in reality, kind of sticks mm -hmm. to reality, which in reality, as of right now, we we have, we don't believe that we can do faster than light. So mm -hmm. like 2001, The Expanse, like, mm -hmm. are, you know, are we certain we can truly have successful stories without FTL? Mm -hmm. And the reason I, I ask it that way is because, you know, I think generally people think that 2001 and The Expanse are successful, but the problem is they both hinted at advanced species that have FTL. Mm -hmm. So I mean, like, and if you take that out of either story, mm -hmm. can you, so can we actually have successful, good science fiction out in space, you mm -hmm. know, space science fiction mm -hmm. that doesn't some way or shape or form involve FTL? Ooh, yeah. That's, see, what I, about, oh, go ahead, Chris, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, Expanse is hard for me to judge because I hate to admit this. I started the, like the first episode and I was watching it with my mom and we just couldn't get into it. And I know I've heard you consistently, you have to get past that. Mm. And so I will endeavor to actually watch the experience. It's good. But, mm -hmm. but I haven't, does. I'm not current on the last season, but yeah, I read the books. It's, it's fantastic. Absolutely worth your time. Yeah. Okay. No, I need to do that. But the spoiler alert, what I said a minute ago, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that there's that there's a hint of advantage. There's a hint. Oh, there's I feel hint. like that's kind of, it's science fiction. It's yeah. kind of a fair assumption. Mm -hmm. But then even with like 2001, which I love, but the reason I love it so much is because of all the weird supernatural, um, like the like the most terrifying to me, faster than light travel, when Dave is just going, I don't even know what that's called, but whenever he's doing the thing with the monolith and he's just, you see his eyes and he's seeing all these weird landscapes terrifying but really cool so i mm -hmm. i don't know if would i still enjoy like looking at 2001 would i enjoy the movie without that element 
mm-hmm. maybe not as much. Well, yeah, with, I don't know. Without that, it isn't a movie. It is them going back and forth to Jupiter. They're like, mm-hmm. it's right. just going to Jupiter. Yeah. Just making it there. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to remember. There was a show called Define Gravity, but I think that also hinted at another life form. It was like my <laughs> Grey's Anatomy meets 2001. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool, yeah. but... Yeah, I don't know. I think it would be really difficult because so much of science mm. fiction is like, well, you want to be somewhere that's not Earth. Space mm-hmm. science fiction. Yeah, yeah space yeah. science fiction. Yeah. Okay. There's a there's a series. I mentioned it a long, long time ago towards the beginning of season one, I think, of our okay. intrepid podcast called Another Life starring Katie Sackoff. And they do not have light speed or faster than light. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're drama in the show is all about the characters themselves and things go wrong on the ship they've got you know disagreements like that there's all sorts of backstories to each character they don't really trust katie sackoff as captain because of several different things and so there's that drama i think it i'm very interested there's two seasons out so far i i think that's a terribly engaging or, or, or wonderfully engaging um show and drama and all that and it's a science fiction they're traveling aliens have come and planted these weird objects on earth they can't figure out how to communicate with them we think we know the general direction they came from so we send a ship out to try to see if we can't meet them out there because we have no idea what these objects are so katie sackoff's husband and daughter are left behind he's one of the leading researchers on the planet trying to figure out how to communicate with these objects and so they're going out to figure out are they friendly or do we need to figure out how to destroy them before they actually show up on earth for real so it's Mm -hmm. in that instance i find not having faster than light works okay and i guess alien you know now that i think about it like alien they they were all uh anything that they do you know stasis or the sleep duration Mm -hmm. they're doing that so that there's actually probably a lot and i'm just my brain is not working. No. Mm-hmm. Well, my brain was. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was, what I wrote down was um, there's, there's all the other films or TV series that deal with the generational starship mm-hmm. uses deep space or cryogenic freezing to be able to the crew to be ready upon arrival at their selective destinations. Planet of the Apes, the original one with with Charlton Heston. They're in cryogenic freezing until sure. they arrive. And they're gone so long when they finally arrive at Earth in you know thousands thousands of years in the future, you know, one of the crew members dies in trans because the, the system fails. There was a movie called Passengers. Yes. Where oh, generational uh, crew. Yes. But but uh, yes, yeah, Star Lord, thank you. Chris Platt and uh, Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer, excuse me, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, they wake up in the middle of it and they're left all by themselves. And the movie has a beautiful way of handling when the ship finally arrives. They're long dead, but there's a tree that they planted that grows. Uh, aliens. You wouldn't have aliens without cryogenic freezing. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Pratt and Lawrence die. Yeah. Spoiler do. alert. Sorry. Dang. Kid. I guess I'm not watching that film. It's no, it's but you don't see it happen. You don't see it happen. It's just you know that they don't they don't survive the mission because it's so long. Right. Um, aliens, without a doubt. 
cryogenic freezing gets them mm-hmm. wherever they have to be in the time because they're they're traveling at near light speed. And then even the TV show, as we mentioned earlier, Lost in Space. They yeah, I had completely forgotten freezing. about all the cryogenic freezing stuff. Except the fact that they don't make it where they're going. They end up at a planet on another star without ever having traveled the full distance because the evil Dr. Zachary Smith screws things up with the robot in the very first or second episodes. <laughs> so that kind of blows that one out. The way. But but the idea of that by using cryogenic freezing or something of that nature allows our actors to be, as I'm going to write here, minty fresh when they arrive <laughs> at their location. And they do space yoga sometimes. Do you remember this when Khan was was awakened and he was doing some oh, yeah. like yes. crazy yoga breathing? Oh, I've got yes. a question. That's yes. very interesting. Chris, I hadn't thought about that. That's hysterical. Yeah. Um, if you take mouthwash before you're cryogenically frozen, uh-huh. when you wake up, is your breath minty fresh years later? I love that. That's, That's such question. an oddly specific question, but I appreciate it. I'm going to be thinking about that all night. Oh, yes. that question. My job here is done, ladies and gentlemen. 100%. Though, though I will say, don't they normally, they say that the hair will still grow over, a, you know, during oh. the time that they're frozen because it will. Anyway. Hmm. We but that's know. not. We don't know. No one's been cryogenically frozen yet, including Fry from. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Drama. Yeah. Oh God, I'm gonna be thinking about that now a lot. Okay, we have to probably do a, an episode where we yeah. talk about cryo stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we, we it's go a into great storyline. It really is. It, mm-hmm. it it allows you to you know to bypass a whole lot of. Well, what were they doing all that time? Nothing. Yeah. They were asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the problems with faster than light travel. Okay, so we talk about travel, mm-hmm. but then we forget, or sometimes we forget that communication you know also right. can't yes. happen faster than light you know but kind of by definition so mm-hmm. do we open up a can of worms you know we talk about uh traveling but not communicating although you know some science fiction does in in star trek they talk about you know we have subspace communication uh, yes, but uh i don't think they ever really <laughs> talked about that in star wars i don't think they Mm-mm. did anything in well, star wars well that's my gripe i think one of the questions was like what was your least favorite Mm-hmm. Of so, I guess that's for me. It's Star Wars, is because they don't explain anything. And I, this will go back to your question, but like there was a commentary. I think it was for A New Hope, where George Lucas said, "Oh, the reason that the Millennium Falcon is the fastest ship in the galaxy because of its navigation system, not because of its actual speed." Where I'm like, wait, they don't even hit hint remotely at the fact that it's the navigational system that makes it fast. The way characters talk about light speed and the Mighty Vulcan is, though, it's the fastest ship. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so the fact they don't even explain that's frustrating. Well, and then, oh, and, yeah. And that's sorry. why it's fantasy. And we have yeah. to just end it there for Star Wars. I know, it's but it doesn't fantasy. make sense when you start saying things like, well, you did, you, you were the fastest ship but you completed this job in 12 parsecs and right. like, isn't the unit of distance? We know that they completely right. just screwed yeah. that up. Right. Yeah. It was, I know it's yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, but going to your point, I don't think they actually explain the communication aspect as well. Just mm-hmm. that. Right. Oh, I think they it's... don't even. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, they don't even like come up. Like, not that mm-hmm. I want to say subspace, uh, like a subspace signal is stupid, but it's like, at least Star Trek will say, we don't actually know 
how we would solve it, but let's just, uh, we'll solve, well, we just mm -hmm. call it this thing. Like there's the Heisenberg compensator, Heisenberg compensator, yeah, where it's like, yeah, I've heard that, that which is like, yeah, you. Heisenberg says there's some law where you physically, you, you can't do what the transporter is suggesting, but it's like, oh, but we have the Heisenberg compensator. Mm -hmm. So at least we're acknowledging oh, it, it adjusts where it's like, the... you know, Star Wars it just works. It just, yeah. Works. Mm -hmm. Star Wars just says it just works. Just go with it. Mm -hmm. Occasionally so. in Trek, if I'm not mistaken, and and we have three uh, experts here, but don't they say sometimes that occasionally, maybe there's been a, only a handful of times where they talk about the gap in communications because of where they they're do. at. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it's very odd. I think most of the time to progress the story, it's real t same time real time mm -hmm, communications mm -hmm. um it's, and it's so that's consistent yeah, yeah so that for mm -hmm. me like that is probably an area where star trek definitely has the fantasy element mm -hmm. i mean we you know mm -hmm. we talk about doug drexler mentioned you know transporters being mad you know magic whatever mm -hmm. um so i think that's the same with the communications now going back to afterlife they there's definitely a lag they hold true to that with mm -hmm. the faster than light not happening even in their communications mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um what i wrote down was um you know you can travel the speed of light but a message a radio message still travels at the speed of the the, the speed of light because it's electromagnetic or electric ma messages so it can't happen now in enterprise they often talked about how they would drop off these buoys called echo one echo two oh, right yeah. those were a way of trying to boost the radio signal from place to place so so maybe there was some magical voodoo doo doo that allowed those things to work but um even in uh one of our uh group here her author in her book um he talks about that she talks about how yes the robots in her story can travel at the speed of light and faster but when ruby wants to send a message home she can't mm -hmm. so this is something i really i actually at, and i was what? very proud of you for having done that adina <laughs> because that's a good storyline it's a good plot point mm -hmm. But it's accurate. Yeah, it's, it's something that because in science fiction, this is actually the one thing, that, you know, in terms of what bothers people and, and stuff. And I kind of like I, I tell people about just consistency within the the universe that you create. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I chose to, you know, so Crazy Foolish Robots has alien robots in it. Mm -hmm. And yep, they have they happen to have FTL. And I actually don't mention ever anything else about it because I don't want to open up that can of worms. It has mm -hmm. not like the kind of FTL, how they have it, why they have it, anything is irrelevant. They just happen to have it. But they happen to have not developed any kind of FTL communication method. So, yes. Mm -hmm. it, and and so then I do in the universe use kind of like real speed for communications and such. And I don't want to give away the no. ending to book two, because I'm very proud of some of the funny stuff there that mm -hmm. happens to be related to how they figure out how to do communication. Um, but yes, this is actually one of the things that does well, self-consistency within a universe. And, and so the and fact that Star Trek mm -hmm. is not self-consistent, sometimes yeah, that, they can't communicate with Starfleet. Sometimes they can, but they don't seem that far away. But yeah. they, you know, yeah. Well, how, and how and that's the reason. 
I'm going to say the re- that's the reason why if you could travel faster than the speed of light, mm-hmm. the only way you could ever get a message back is you had to go back home again mm-hmm. and report it live because you're almost you're giving away my, my uh, on your own. You're almost giving away what what my robots figure out in the book. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. So sh- 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 okay. avoiding spoilers. So how and I'm looking forward to it even more so now, Adina. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> so when we talk about consistency, how do you feel about the warp scales? Because like the warp scales, when you have like the warp speeds in original series are totally different mm-hmm. than the warp speeds in um, or warp factors in like trek after tng or like in tng and going mm-hmm. forward is that how do you how do we feel that, about that that doesn't at least for me that doesn't hurt my head too much if because okay. again in a time period we've got this scale and now we've like raised the bar it's similar mm-hmm. to thinking like right now you know like uh a nickel doesn't buy much right. but a hundred mm-hmm. years ago a nickel could buy you like dinner you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. because of that i still think that there is some uh, could buy you able a gallon of gas probably Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, because like even in episodes, they'll be like, "Oh, we're going warp eight, and we, we can't possibly go warp eight. This is the fastest the ship's ever. It's the engines are going to blow up." And then say, like, "Oh no, now we're going warp nine all of a sudden." And it's like, "Well, you just said like two episodes ago that no, oh, this was the fastest speed you could go." So that, <laughs> but that's just like, but I, I get. I, I don't think continuity in that. I don't want to say that at that time that yeah. it wasn't as like. I always important. like the idea that the warp warp speed is kind of like the Richter scale. The higher the number, the more intense it is. If you have an earthquake at a three versus an earthquake at a seven, mm-hmm. it's a number, but the intensity magnifies greater and greater, greater. So I always thought in my mind that, you know, and I believe I think there's some old charts that show that as you go to warp two or three or four or five or six, you are exponentially going logarithmic, so yeah. much faster. Yeah. So I always than. thought it was like warp nine was nine times faster than the speed of light, which it's not. No. And uh, there's a guy, E.C. Henry, on YouTube, he has a really good explanation of of the different warp tr- drives and like the different warp speeds. Um, we should find that and post yeah, it. Yeah, because it, it's okay. really helpful. It's like the difference between warp 9.5 and 9.9 is insane. I thought, oh, that can't be that much different, but it is. It's like huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what yeah, I was your, just. What is oh. your favorite depiction? Um, like they're close to flying the ship apart. And mine is Star Trek Six when Sulu's oh. racing with the Excelsior and she'll fly apart and Sulu goes, Fly her apart then. I've you know, he's gotta save his friends, you know. Um I've I've really wanted to do like just an alternate ending or like one of those like funny YouTube videos where it's like fly her apart then and I wanted to show, okay, he says it. And then the enterprise, then the Excelsior blowing up, but I haven't been able to think of like a good like example. Or it's terrible, but it's funny. It's a good okay. So then you go to the episode um, first flight in Enterprise, and they're trying to break the warp two barrier, and when they get to the point where they just go past it, they destroy the the out of the um, right yeah the uh, first one, and because they went and that's exactly what happened as they were trying to break the sound barrier that so many planes crash because mm-hmm. when they reached that threshold, aerodynamics went out the door. And it wasn't until they employed what's referred to, and I think it's called the flying tail, the flying where the entire elevators in the back rotate 
that they could be able to control the flight of the aircraft and they had stability and Jaeger was able to go past the speed of sound. So there's always going to be, you know, it's like there's an adventure in going faster and faster, but a risk also of going faster and faster and faster. And I think that's good. And well, it's depicted that way, that it's not just uh, easy. You just say you can do it, but there's a ramification. Right, exactly. But going back to Brian's question, I think for me, it's with Nomad. I just I love the the Nomad episode, the Changeling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I do love it when he's just fooling around with the engines and Scotty mm-hmm. is just losing it. He's like, "What's what's happening? He's increasing the speed," and he's just saying all these things like how the dials are going everywhere, the lights are like it's just there's something cheesy about mm-hmm. it, but just that's so much fun. Where I'm like, I love whenever aliens on Star Trek, specifically original series, would take over the Enterprise. And they would somehow make the engines go really fast. And then Scotty would just freak out and say, we're going to blow up. And then it would never happen. Right. There's something really fun about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've got one more question uh, sure. for everybody. Yeah. What is the TARDIS? Does it fit in here? <laughs> or is it simply a time machine? <laughs> I think the TARDIS is it also a ship and actually goes places, not just time, I mm-hmm. think. Right. Mm-hmm. Unless this is like just a joke mm-hmm. and we're not really supposed to answer it. Well, I, don't, I you know, honestly, I really don't know. I'm, I'm not really, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really answer? care because I'm not a Doctor Who okay. fan. You want my answer, Adina? Yes, yes absolutely. Okay. It's a police <laughs> box. I've seen it. I've been to London. I saw the actual TARDIS there. It's nothing more than that. And if it's anything in, in science fiction, it's just a time machine. Fair it's enough. Just, yeah, I think it's actually it a ship because I'm pretty sure they travel to other places. Mm-hmm. I, I have I have family, mm-hmm. Joey and Miriam and Wade, who love Doctor Who. Oh, at least Joey does, and they're avid listeners. I, I believe they they are maybe some of our best listeners. They're very frequent, mm-hmm. and are always making comments to me when they see me about the latest episode. Um, they are practically begging us to do a Doctor Who episode. Mm. So, I think we have to do it. Then. There's like decades uh, of Doctor would, Who to watch. That would mean I, think... I would have to research a ton. So mm-hmm. I just I I am not fascinated or interested in it as of right now. But I wonder if maybe if we have listeners out there, fans of the podcast, who just as we would suggest certain Star Trek episodes to someone to see, to show them how good the show is. Maybe some of our listeners can either email us or our follow, get on our Facebook group and um, let us know what are the episodes. If, If we are not a fan, we know nothing of Doctor Who, what are episodes we should seek out that might hook us? So there you go. Okay. Essential episode. We'll we'll have to get my daughter, Jenny, to be an interviewee because she watched Doctor Who religiously and loved it until that she lost interest a few years ago. But when she was watching it, it was like everything, you know, they have a strong fan base, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People that are way into it, just like Trekkies are to Trek. So Mm -hmm. yeah, write us, write us, let us know what, what are episodes we should watch. Mm-hmm. And can I make a request? Sure. If you do recommend episodes, can we not watch any with the skin lady? I've seen some bits and pieces of it where there's like some evil lady who is so obsessed with like skincare and use so much lotion that she ends up just becoming a piece of talking skin. And that's terrifying. Ooh. And I really don't want to watch that episode. That yeah. sounds yeah. like the movie Brazil. <laughs> oh my when God. When you said that. <laughs> 
Some Resident complications. Evil? Yes. Not complications. Yes. <laughs> That's what I think of when, when you said the skin layer, because I don't think I know about that in Doctor Who. I, I've come in and out of Doctor Who over the years, but like uh, mostly out in the last, like, I think I was into it for a while in the 2008 ish time frame when that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. We've covered faster yep. than light. So I think what we want to do now is move on to, you know, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about next week's episode? (sighs) Next week's podcast (laughs) is about the greatest Star Trek movie ever made. No, it's not First Contact or Wrath of Khan. It's Galaxy (laughs) Quest. All right. right. Okay. All right. We will talk about how it was a parody but it also has the story of past and old characters having the opportunity to live out their lives in the way that made them famous on their TV series and how the fans of Galaxy Quest save the day. That's the characters in it. The fans of Galaxy Quest save the day because they're smarter than the show's creators. And we will also discuss the documentary Never Surrender, about the making of the movie. If you have not watched either, please go to Prime Ticket. Both available for viewing. Now, if you'd like to, if you'd like me to revise my message, I will have to engage the Omega 13. (laughs) I'm so excited. That's going to be fun. Uh, Brian, do you have anything you want to, any final words to say today? I... I'm so excited about Galaxy Quest next week. <laughs> I'm just so pumped, right? I'm so happy. Some I'd forgotten or I didn't know where that was coming. Mm-hmm. My Steve has just made my whole day. It's going to be a fantastic. Um, I would just like to say, because of all the craziness going on in the world, especially here in the States and all the tragedies, school shootings, mm-hmm. um, problems with racism, can we just, just want to encourage our listeners, just love each other. Be respectful. Um, We come from different places, different upbringings, different traditions, um, different belief systems. But surely we can learn how to respect and love and live together in a way that's peaceful. And um, the littlest, tiniest acts of kindness can make someone's whole day much brighter. And so think about every now and then paying for the groceries of the single mom in front of you at the grocery store mm-hmm. and see how that might impact a life in that whole family. Um, pay for the people behind you at Starbucks. Um, you know, say hello to your neighbors more often. Get to know your neighbors for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just be a kinder, friendlier person and watch how you can affect the world around you. Um, there's just, we've got so much division in the u.s right now but all it takes is enough people to just go to work with a smile on their face to care when you ask somebody how's it going don't just you know don't just go oh good great yeah me too great you know Mm -hmm. be willing to spend a minute if they say they're not having a good day and find out why and see if you can't encourage them Sometimes just listening to somebody and what they're going through can make a whole big difference in their life. So be kind, be nice to each other. Come on, guys. It's not that hard. We don't have to make it hard. Yep. Um, and let's let's live, let's treat each other like we want to be treated. And man, I, I think we'll see some stuff change. So Amen, that's, that's my goodbye for mm-hmm. this. Thank you, Ryan. That, that was good. That was good. So Chris, you 
want to follow was, that. I have. Well, I have. Like, how do to I follow, top that? The that pastor was very in heavy. me comes out every now and then. And, and that's okay. So, <laughs> my thoughts for the end of the episode are not are not nearly that serious or or moving. It's fine, my um, So two things. One, I saw Galaxy Quest maybe five or six, seven years ago uh-huh. now. And I liked it. My problem was I had a really good snack and I don't remember what it was. And I've been trying to remember for the last seven years what I was eating <laughs> watching that show and that movie. And it's bothering me. The second thing I want to say, I get all of the stuff with the sword drive, but Star Trek has always come up with really BS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do we not remember the coaxial warp drive? Where they're like, it's a warp drive, but it's coaxial. So it's Wait. faster. What? Uh, there was a coaxial warp drive in. in is it, uh, is it, isn't that the same cable that goes in the back of your TV? <laughs> I think so. Like so it's not that for... very impressive if you're using a cable that we use right now for the back of your what TV. What series are yeah. we talking about here? That, that was in Voyager, and that was the episode oh my God. where Tom Paris is taken over by an alien or an alien impersonates <laughs> Tom Paris, and he's like all grumpy and his hair is messy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Quaxia warp drive. There's warp 10, which means if you go fast, if you go warp 10, you can exist everywhere in the galaxy at every point in time, everywhere. So just saying... That. Just it's like, not sport <laughs> drive. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, awesome. All I know is I think Larry the Cable Guy might have an episode in that. <laughs> and Chakotay, this last thing, Chakotay had the worst line of that episode where he's like a coaxial what? And it's like, okay, what do you mean a coaxial what? You know warp drive. It should have been a what warp drive. It should have been a line. <laughs> That's the part that should have stumped him. Not coaxial. He if he got coaxial, how come he didn't get warp drive? Into speech. I'm so glad. I mean, what I really want is the HDMI drive. <laughs> the HDMI drive. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't care. Quaxio's gone, man. That's it's done. I hope I pronounce it. HDMI right. all the way for me, baby. We'll verify this for next week. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's all okay. I got. I'm Adita Vignona, and I'd like thank to thank you. you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us ramble on about our favorite oh, stuff in ever? the science fiction universe. Yeah. The universe is big. I mean, heck, the galaxy is enormous, not to mention our own solar system. So hopefully one day we're going to be out there exploring it firsthand at ludicrous speed, possibly oh, with an improbability ludicrous. drive. Yes, we need to mention that. Improbability yes. drive, not ludicrous mentioned speed. until now. I love it. Yeah, but for the moment, we're going to have to use our science fiction to fuel our imaginations for what might come in the future. Now, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Faster Than Light and your, and your favorite sci-fi So join us at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast Facebook group to share your thoughts and comments on this episode. Or you can send us an email at bigsci-fipodcast at gmail.com. And I would like to thank all of our faithful listeners and members of our Facebook group for being such awesome supporters of the show. You are the reason we keep getting together via Zoom to record these episodes weekly. Until next week, stay well, and we look forward to going with you where few podcasters have gone before.